the humanity of the people is thrown out the window. They're not trying to keep people safe. They're just trying to, I guess, advance all their careers. But it all happens at the loss of freedom for many individuals. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome, welcome, Liberty lovers, back to the Lions of Liberty podcast. And this is no ordinary episode of the show. No, this is the very unique and very, very original episode number 107. Now, before we get into the show today... I would be remiss to not tell you about this amazing concept of health sharing and the package that our sponsors from Health Excellence Select have put together. If you have been frustrated with your health insurance as I once was myself, head on over to lionsofliberty.com health for more information. This is indeed a very special episode because this is where we take a little time out once a month or so to turn our attention towards the plight of felons. That's right. It's time for another edition of... The Felony Report. The Felony Report. And it wouldn't be a Felony Report without the felonious one himself, John Odermatt. <laughs> Welcome back into the Lions of Liberty podcast. What's going on, Mark? Great to be back. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to make it today. I got stuck in a torrential downpour driving home from work. It probably rained more during this rainstorm than it's probably rained in California in like the last 50 years. It was insane. I believe that because it never rains out here. <laughs> It rained last week for about, I don't know, 45 minutes of a sprinkle, and it was, uh, I was calling it Drizzle Get It, and I was trying to get a hashtag going on Facebook. That didn't get but, going, though? No. Uh, I, like, two other people seem to like it. And, and hashtag, either they have to like it, they have to hashtag it, I'm still learning this whole hashtagging thing. That's probably the same amount as hashtag Randy Pants, so you only got the hashtag Randy oh, Pants we, we, we actually got a few good Randy Pants hashtags last week. To anyone out there who listens to Rand Paul Lessons and Minuses, and if you listen to this show, I mean, you may as well listen to that one too. It's another great feature we do every month here at the Lions of Liberty Podcast. Check that out. We're, we're trying to get the hashtag Randy Pants going. We need to come up with a, a funny hashtag. Maybe we'll hashtag Texas Bill later. A little preview. I know our, our man Texas Bill's coming back. But no, this is the Felony Report, where each month we look at a few articles of John Odermatt here's weekly series called Felony Friday, which you can find at, let's see if you can nail your own plug this week, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com slash Felony Friday. He you got can see it, what, everybody. He got it. All you, right. you can see it in two places. You can see it there. You're going to see all the Felony Friday articles listed out, as well as the Felony Report. And you can also see it at linesofliberty.com slash podcast. Did I get that one? Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it all around. I see you've been doing your research. A little bit, a little bit. You know, I've been practicing my hyperlinking. All right, since we're getting all our plugs out of the way, why don't you give everybody that kind of the Cliff Notes version of why you started the Felony Report, why we do this podcast, why you started your Felony Friday series, which has been going on for, what, almost two years now? It's insane. The production that comes out of this man's wrists. So why don't you just give maybe the, uh, the elevator speech version of what this thing is all about? Why are we so obsessed with the plight of felons, as you call it here? You know what? Just you just said that. Now I, I just realized. I think this is almost exactly two years of doing this. I didn't to the day. I didn't. Track. I didn't know. It research, might be so. close to the day. I mean, I, I'm not going to look it up now, but it's it's really close because I got married two years ago and I started right after that. So it's close. We're right after your nuptials. It was like time for the honeymoon. You're like just one second, honey. I've got this great new idea for a series of articles. Exactly. Felony Friday. <laughs> I, I know we're getting married tomorrow, but this is Friday. So if you just give me 45 minutes. 
I can actually tell you the first edition of Felony Friday was unleashed upon the liberty-loving world on May 21st, 2015. So we're, we're pretty damn close. Two-year anniversary. I'm just going to go ahead and call this the two-year anniversary special. There you go. It's a party now. <laughs> I wish I had some champagne. You know, I'm still not recovered from uh, from our 100th anniversary, so I'm kind of glad I don't have any champagne. I've just got my sparkling water, and, and we're going to talk about some felonies. But why did you start this thing almost two years ago now? I mean, uh, no one promised you to do it. You just up and said one day, hey, I'm going to write this article on, on felonies. So so what inspired you to get so uh, involved here in the, in the plight of felons? I talked about in the uh, the first episode of the Felony Report about my history working in uh, California in the Inland Empire in a uh, in manufacturing. The Inland Empire is a rather rough area, so a lot of the uh, job applicants were you know had a criminal background. A lot of them were felons, and one of my jobs was in human resources to go out and interview and and hire people. So I ended up interacting with a lot of people with criminal records with felony history. So we ended up bringing a lot of them on board. Got to meet them, got to know them, and they were good individuals. I mean, from interacting with them, they were no different than you or I. And then fast forward a couple years down the road, had a more um, personal experience, not me personally, but someone close to me, a friend of mine, was arrested for selling a small amount of marijuana to an undercover cop multiple times. That's how these undercover cops do it. They'll come back and get you and get you and get you until they get you up to a certain point where they can charge you with, uh, with, with a felony in this case. He ended up getting convicted of the crime and spent, I want to say, I'm just uh, shooting off the hip here, but it was about a year total in jail, different types of jail, different degrees of jail in Pennsylvania, ended up spending time in a halfway house and is still on probation. I'm all for uh, selling, it was, I want to say, less than a couple ounces of marijuana. So that, that's what really... Stoked the flames of this uh, Felony Friday feature and uh, has uh, really gotten me passionate about following up, writing every week, every Friday about the plight of felons, especially nonviolent felons who have been put away, locked in a cage for nonviolent crimes, drug crimes, crimes without a victim. How is that not entrapment? I mean, it's bad enough that the police are out there just busting people for nonviolent crimes by pretending to be a customer for a kid that's just selling a little weed. But then they take it not one or two, but like 10 steps further and keep coming back until they get to a certain level where they can actually get someone on a felony charge. So they're actually, you know, deliberately plotting over time to make sure someone doesn't doesn't just get a misdemeanor charge, that they actually get a, a felony charge, which is obviously affects their life in a much worse way. So... I mean, it's just awful to me that this is... What is the motivation out there for police departments doing that? I mean, I think we know that a lot of it is tied into just kind of the court system. I mean, prosecutors want more convictions, and, you know, um, people in the police department, they want to please their police chief. The police chief wants to please the prosecutors and the mayors, and they're all tied in together. So it's kind of this vicious cycle where the humanity of the people is thrown out the window. They're not trying to keep people safe. They're just trying to, I guess, advance all their careers, but it all happens at, at um, at the loss of freedom for many individuals. Absolutely. I mean, at its, I mean, I think you highlighted it perfectly there. The humanity has been thrown out the window. I think a lot of these people, they treat it like a job. A lot of these police officers, prison guards, people involved in the criminal justice system. And I think the only way they can operate this way, they have to separate themselves from the humanity of locking someone away in a cage for selling a plant or selling a substance that has been deemed illegal and prohibited by the government. 
I, that's the only way I think they could they could do their jobs on a daily basis to separate themselves from the humanity. It's really barbaric when you think about it. Just making the paycheck, you know, we all got groceries to buy and bills to pay, so I guess we just gotta do our jobs. Even if those jobs involve, you know, ruining people's lives, throwing them in cages and that kind of thing. So, But that's why we shine a light on this stuff. That's why you do that at Felony Friday. That's why we do the Felony Report here. So we're going to take a look at a few of your past articles in the past month here. And we're going to start out with one that, on the surface, I mean, it, it sounds like it doesn't sound that bad. A North Carolina bill that would make assault on teachers an automatic felony. And, I mean, hey, I mean, you're obviously you're not for assaulting teachers, are you? Maybe you are. I don't know. No, I'm definitely not for assaulting teachers. You know, my, my mom was a teacher growing up, so you know, I don't have anything against teachers. You know, they're human beings too, just like everyone else. Just but like the felons. Just like the felons, right? Just like the students who would be um, subjected to this uh, this law. So this bill, I'll give you a little background on it first. Um, this is North Carolina, as you said, Mark. I think you did. I did. And I did um, my research five <laughs> seconds before before I read something. So the the bill would make it a felony for students older than 16 years old to assault a teacher or other school administrators. So right there, it's making a, it's really a subjective age there, 16 years old. What makes a 16-year-old different than a 15-year-old or 14? But 15-year-olds can just wail away on their teachers all they want, no problem. Apparently, but so. they, you know, they have a birthday the next day, they're going to be charged <laughs> with a felony. Before they turn 16, they're just going to be out just beating up teachers mercilessly. It's, it's maybe, uh, you know, I maybe, know. I don't know. That's, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we if don't know law, yet. If, if this law passes, it might happen. <laughs> Currently in North Carolina, it, it's a misdemeanor to, to assault a school employee. And it's only considered a felony if the student causes significant physical injury uh, to, to, the, to the employee or the school administrator, which, which makes sense. I mean, I think the law as it's written right now, if you're going to, if, if uh, someone, if they're, if they're 15, 16, 17, 18, if, if, if you assault someone and you injure them, then, I mean, you should face the, the repercussions there. You've committed a crime. You've, you've, harmed, you've harmed an individual. So this uh, bill, who was, it was submitted by um, State Senator Jerry Tillman, who's a Republican, uh, and he introduced the legislation to address a claim, and um, this claim... Um, is that there's over 1,300 attacks on teachers in North Carolina. And the bill would consider any assault, as I said before, so any assault committed by a student over the age of 16 to be a felony. So just think about the, the amount of felons you're, you're producing here. Um, from, from the previous year where it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not considered a felony unless there's physical harm to all of a sudden, you, you know, pass a law, uh, have, the, have the governor sign off on it, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you've got 1,300 felons the next year because they've broken this law. And it doesn't even have to be a physical assault, what, what, what this law says. That mean it doesn't have to be physical assault? I was thinking, I mean, even maybe just shoving your teacher a little bit, automatic felony, but you're saying even outside of the, the bounds of physical assault, this could, uh, this could count against somebody? Yeah. Um, it, it, surprisingly, there's actually some, uh, maybe not surprisingly, thankfully, there's some legislators in North Carolina, at least one legislator who's, who's opposed to this, um, Senator Angela Bryant. And she opposes it and she points out that assault in this bill could be everything from intimidation to running down the hall and accidentally bumping into a teacher or a school administrator. So basically, it, it, it just opens up assault to be, or opens up something that could become a felony 
to be up to the discretion of the school administrator or the teacher. To try to correct this problem, you have students, uh, I mean, there is a legitimate problem, right? I think, you know, this is something we run into often here with Felony Friday, where, you know, it's it's not like they're just making up this law just because they, you know, want to lock more people in cages. At least I don't think so. I mean, there, there is an actual problem here. You know, there's interactions between students and teachers, which, which are uh, you know, inappropriate, um, maybe physical. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, people are getting harmed, but they're trying to trying to remedy this problem. And it's definitely, they're doing it in the wrong way. It's overkill, and it's going to end up probably ruining countless more lives um, j- just by passing this law. I, I mean, can't, can't a teenager already be charged with assault if they assault their teacher? I mean, depending on the circumstance, because, you know, each case will be looked at based on the case itself, as, as it is right now. But this law would basically take judgment out of the equation. It would just say, if this is an, if this is an assault of whatever kind, then it is therefore a felony. And I think that's the big problem here. It's just painting a broad brush where, I mean, it's, it's already illegal to beat up anybody, let, let alone a teacher. So there's not really the need for an additional law here. There, there may be very, you know, a lot of reasons to address the problem of violence in schools, but this added law won't really curb any violence. All it will do is, like you said, is, is create more felons. And that, that's probably the last thing we need to be creating nowadays are even more people with that felon label attached to them their whole lives even if all they did was maybe get into an altercation with their teacher maybe even one that was innocent but it was taken the wrong way and hey now they're a felon for life boohoo yeah well i mean that's that's a great point there and i mean this it's kind of reminds me a little bit it's, it's very different but uh the previous felony friday i wrote about the uh assaulting soccer referees i, I was thinking about that one actually Resulting in a felony, you know, putting soccer referees on a pedestal above the rest of society. Same thing here, putting teachers, school administrators on a pedestal above the rest of society. Um, it's it's not right, and it's they're trying to address a problem, but they're going about it the entire wrong way, and it's only gonna um, it's only gonna get more kids, um, set them back by possibly ruining their life by saddling them with a felony. All right, well, it's not all negative stuff here at the Felony Report. And we got a couple, I would say, positive stories to look at before we get into another one that's, um, well, not so positive. But but first, I want to look at um, this positive story here. This is a story about Coke Industries, the, I guess, um, infamous Coke brothers to many, depending on what side of the fence you come from. But the Coke Industries has actually banned job application questions about candidates' criminal past. So why don't you tell us about that? What prompted this decision? Yeah, well, I, I guess a lot of people don't, don't know that the, the Koch brothers for for many years have had a uh, you know have spent money have um, funded programs to reform the criminal justice system. Um, this goes back to the back to the nineties. Um, you you could, you could read read the article. There's some links that'll uh, that, that'll follow back where you can do some more research on your own on that. Kind of surprised me when, when when I read about it because when you think of the Koch brothers, you think of uh, more of a crony capitalist wing of the. Uh, Republican Party or maybe the libertarian leaning Republican Party, but they have done some good things. And um, I, I think this, uh, this situation here highlights that even though maybe you, you, uh, when you think of the Koch brothers, some bad things come to mind, that doesn't mean that, that they can't do things right. And um, absolutely, they, they are you know, really, uh, really ahead of a company like Apple, who I talked about before with their uh, – on their construction site in uh, Cupertino where they were, 
banning felons from uh, being on the construction site there, from their contractors hiring felons to work on the site. They ended up repealing that. But the Koch brothers taking a proactive stance here. And, you know, I mean, you know, if they've been on the side of this since the since the 90s, what took them up until 2015 to to, to reform this in their uh, in their companies? That, that is the odd part. I mean, I, I certainly commend them. But. Yeah, we, we should. We, I guess we shouldn't give them that much credit. So what is it then? Is it, is it just because of the way that the political tides are turning? There's a lot more attention to this issue nowadays? Yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know. I'd like to think it has something to do with Felony Friday. You know, I'd like to think so too. And, <laughs> it's, and I think it's no coincidence that this came about shortly after the launch of the Felony Report. Exactly. No coincidence at all. Um, I, yeah, I think the tide is turning. You know, you have uh, people like Senator Rand Paul, who've, you know, he's no stranger to the Lions of Liberty podcast, and he has... He has been a uh, advocate for criminal justice reform um, throughout his time as a senator. And now he's starting to take that fight onto the presidential trail as he campaigns for the uh, GOP nomination. So uh, it's getting more visibility. I'm sure there is some ulterior motive here with the Koch brothers doing this. Um, maybe just because I, I can't, I mean, there has to be, because why wouldn't they do this sooner? So there, there has to be, uh, I don't know if there's political pressure in some form for this, but Either way, uh, it's a good thing. It's a move in the right direction. And it's a move that has to happen because with so many laws right now with, with people, where people can get felony convictions that there's more and more and more felons every year, they need places to work. So, I mean... It might just be a practical matter for the for them at this point. I mean, the the pool might be too thin if they just cancel out anyone that, that is a felon. And it does line up with a lot of what they've been saying politically. So... As a, both a political and practical move, it seems to make a lot of sense. That's very possible. I didn't even think of that. It's a good point. All right. We're going to move on to another happy story, I would say. And it's really exciting for me because this features the return of our good friend, Texas Bill. Yeehaw! That's that's my impression of Texas Bill. Did, did we get a cartoon for Texas Bill yet? We still have. Uh, I'm waiting for someone in our audience to draw up Texas Bill character. Seems like it'd be pretty simple. Uh, for those who don't know, Texas Bill is um, he's just a character we dreamed up. But a lot of our articles seem to start with the phrase Texas Bill. And then, you know, describing a bill that's taking place in the state of Texas. But somehow we came up with a character of Texas Bill who is actually putting, I guess, I, he's putting forth all these great ideas, such as in this case, legalizing marijuana in the state of Texas. All right, Texas Bill. What a great one he dreamed up here. So tell us about this. Whoever thought, in, of all places, of uh, to be sort of at the forefront, or possibly on the forefront here, of, of legalizing marijuana, of curtailing the war on drugs, Texas, so at least a few lawmakers in Texas have has stepped up, stepped up their game here, along with uh, along with the inspiration of Texas Bill. So tell us what's going on here with this bill to legalize marijuana in the state of Texas. Yeah, it's it's definitely a uh, it, it's an interesting bill for for several reasons. Damn right, it's interesting, Texas Bill. Woohoo! <laughs> Sorry about that. I just I, I love it. I love it. He he lives inside me. I can't control it. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. But I, I mean, when you think of Texas, you don't think of, you know, socially liberal, you know, you know people uh, smoking weed. Maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. That's not something I think of. I think of, uh, you know, a <laughs> I little think more of steak. I think, I think of Tex-Mex and I think of um, being really hot. I think of the best fajitas I've ever had in my life. But that's that's beside the point. Get enough track. We, we could go on Texas <laughs> Word Association all day long. But. <laughs> But I mean, the the drug laws in Texas are terrible. I mean, it's it's not it's not a good place to get to get arrested for for holding marijuana. 
Um, just four ounces of pot in Texas gets you a felony charge. Possessing four ounces. Um, selling just seven grams could yield a felony charge. Two years in jail and a $10,000 fine. So that's not something you want to do there. Sale of five pounds of pot could land you in jail for a maximum of 20 years. What? So there's some, there's some serious, serious marijuana laws in Texas. And they could go. They could potentially go from that to zero minutes of jail time. Exactly. It's 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 insane. But I mean, the tide is turning in Texas. Uh, there was a, a poll conducted by the University of Texas and the Texas Tribune that uh, said that 49% of registered voters are in favor of both legalized medical and recreational marijuana, and uh, only 23% are, are fully opposed to both. So things are going in the, in the right direction. And as you know, Ron Paul, you know seemed to always say back when he probably still says it. I don't listen to Ron Paul as much as I used to. I used to listen to a lot of the YouTube videos of Ron Paul, but he used to always say on the campaign trail that the people are always ahead of the politicians. So this seems like a case where the people are definitely ahead of the politicians until until recently when uh, Republican state Senator David Simpson introduced a bill that would legalize uh, the, the reason for for legalizing the weed is a little strange, but it, 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 maybe not strange, but maybe non-traditional for places outside of Texas. It makes the the Christian case for legalizing marijuana, saying that because weed came from God, it should be legal. Now, I'm I mean I'm not an expert. Wait, wait, why just weed then? Didn't cocaine come from God? I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, uh, no, uh, I don't know. It's I mean, uh, didn't all, yeah, didn't all the ingredients used to make meth come from God? Right. I mean, we could say that about anything, but anyway, I, I'm cool with it. If they, if they want to use that argument to, to do the right thing, then by all means. Exactly. I mean, um, I think this is, you know, maybe people will dismiss this. Maybe liber- not a people, maybe li- libertarians who are people too. <laughs> Libertarians are, in fact, contrary to popular belief, one type of people. You know, a, a lot of libertarians would focus just on, you know, narrow, you know, violation of individual rights. Uh, it's non-consent. If it's outside of that, maybe they're not going to support it. But I mean, I think it's important to form coalitions with people like uh, like Representative Simpson with this bill, even though it's he's, he might not understand, you know, totally the reasons why marijuana should be legal, why prohibition should be ended, the damage that it causes to human beings who are locked away and have their lives ruined and get felony convictions. I mean, he might not understand all of that, but at the same time, does it matter if you're, I mean, does it really matter if he understands it as long as you're preventing that rights violation from happening? Um, So I think it's good to form coalitions, even with people that might not understand it, because hopefully eventually they will get to the point where they do understand locking away people, even though Simpson doesn't understand that uh, the reason this is bad is because it's coercion, it's coercion on part of the government, doesn't mean that we should ignore this piece of legislation. This is something libertarians should support. Sure, I mean, we can take David Simpson out to the bar afterwards and, uh, you know, pour him some whiskey and try to have a chat with him about, you know, the right reasons for supporting this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're going to legalize marijuana and essentially free many people from jail or from potential jail and, you know, ruin less people's lives or create that few less felons who are nonviolent, well, then great. And, you know, even if it's not exactly a pure libertarian reason, it's still a very good thing that we should celebrate and support. So 
It's good to point that out. I, I was shocked to see that headline. I thought it was April Fool's, and I looked at that, and it was May 8th. So it was definitely not an April Fool's joke. So go Texas Bill. Texas Bill coming through again. Gotta love it. Yeehaw! That's some great news about Texas Bill there, but we got one more story to look at. Unfortunately, it's not as positive of a tale. But first, I need to take a minute out to tell everyone about our sponsors over at Health Excellence Select. Believe me, guys, I know nobody likes dealing with health insurance companies. It's bad enough that you're sick, but now, thanks to the ACA, you're forced to pay for all sorts of coverage you don't even want or need, and the odds are you are indeed paying for it. I was frustrated, too, until I did some research and found out about health sharing, where like-minded, health-conscious individuals get together to cover each other's medical costs. And now the fine folks at Health Excellence Select have taken it to another level with a complete healthcare service combined combining health sharing with personal care assistance to help you find the doctors that you need at the best price, 24-7 phone access to physicians, along with discounts on dental and vision. And if that wasn't enough, they even have a website that works, if you can believe that. Guys, if you are struggling with a solution to your health care needs, look no further than Health Excellence Select. For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com health. All right, it, it's it's really an emotional roller coaster this episode because we had such a good time there with Texas Bill and, and everything he's doing there in Texas, trying to bring the weed to the people, I suppose. But uh, in Baltimore, things aren't going uh, quite as smoothly, at least for one man. So why don't you tell us about this? The uh, the trials and tribulations of one Ronald Hammond. The title of this article, and of course, we will link to all of these in the show notes for the show. I haven't even mentioned that yet. You can find the show notes for the show at lionsofliberty.com slash 107, this being episode number 107. Look how we do that nicely for you guys. Uh, but this is the case of Ronald Hammond in Baltimore. The title of this article, 5.9 grams of pot land a Baltimore man in jail for I, I, I've already read this article, and here I am almost a week later, and I'm, I'm still flabbergasted to read this. 5.9 grams of pot land a Baltimore man in jail for 20 years. Now, you're ta- talking about in how in Texas you could have, like, 5 pounds. That might get you 25 years. This is 5.9 grams. It's not even an ounce. And this guy is, is ending up in jail for 20 years here. So why don't you just tell us? Obviously, there's some extenuating circumstances here. But uh, why don't you just guide us through um, the trials and tribulations of Mr. Ronald Hammond? Yeah, this is a good reminder that the legal system is not always logical. So what happened here with Ronald Hammond, uh, he was arrested for selling 5.9 grams of marijuana. When he was arrested, the judge who he uh, went in front of um, completely scoffed at the case. He actually told prosecutors, and I quote, 5.9 grams won't roll you a decent joint. I don't want to get too too much into that. Wait, wait, I don't know what? if the judge understands, you know. How much 5.9 grams of marijuana is? I mean, not that I'm an expert, but I, I, I'm definitely not an expert. I do think you could roll a decent, more than a decent joint with 5.9 I've grams. Watched a of fair it. amount of a fair amount of television, people smoking weed, and it it seems like that would be a pretty big joint. I've seen Dazed and Confused 63 times, so I have an idea. There you go. It's but so either way, the judge laughed at it, so that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. Judges on this guy's side so far, but doesn't stay that way. So he ends up getting off. Uh, Ronald Hammond, at this juncture, thinks he's free to go just on the $100 fine. The judge gives him a $100 fine for court costs, basically laughs him out of the room, you know, laughs the prosecutor who, who brought him in out of the room. But um, unfortunately, Ronald Hammond 
he probably needed some legal advice before he went before this judge. He didn't have his lawyer with him. He didn't have his lawyer with him because he thought that he was gonna he was gonna delay the trial. But the judge wouldn't delay the trial because he thought that being you know being arrested and brought forth for the five point nine grams was was so minimal and ridiculous that he just um, wanted to get it over with. But it turns out he he really did need some legal advice because Ronald Hammond had a prior conviction. He was convicted on a distribution charge for selling $40 worth of crack cocaine. So not a lot of crack cocaine either. Um, This uh, probably goes back more to uh, the big issue with mandatory minimums in our uh, criminal justice system. And the judge in that case who convicted him for the $40 worth of crack cocaine, Circuit Judge Lynn Stewart Mays, gave Hammond a suspended sentence of 20 years. So what this meant, uh, he was able to go on probation then, but if he violated his probation at all, he would have to serve the full 20 years. And you know, I've, I've read about other cases like this where a judge will, will say something like this, and this particular judge, Lynn Stewart Mays, I guess had a history of following through with this. You, know, you could go for, for five years on probation and trip up and then come back and still have to spend the, uh, the full 20 years. So... This judge held to her word, unfortunately, and right now Ronald Hammond is spending, unless something changes, he'll be spending the next 20 years in prison and will not be released from jail until 2028. That Just is think about that for a minute. Absurd. There are, I mean, you can. I think you point this out in the article. There, you if you kill someone driving drunk, you'll get 10 maximum. Is that right? Something like that? Yeah. Mark, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's people who have attempted murder, you know, stolen property. We're going to serve equal or even less time than Ronald Hammond. You know, with the drunk driving, that's a 20-year prison sentence. It's double the maximum prison sentence of killing someone when driving under the influence. Wow. And this guy, all he did was sell a little crack to someone and then have some weed on him, basically. At no point is he even accused or suspected of harming another individual. Meanwhile, you can literally be so drunk that you drive your car and kill someone, take their life, and you'll get less time than he is. You'll get like 50% less, probably even less with good behavior. Wow. It is. It's absolutely, um, you know, it's, it's not much to say about it. I mean, it's any rational person can look at this case and just realize there's a huge problem that needs reform in our criminal justice system. I, I, I don't know how the prosecutor, how the judge, how they go to sleep at night, knowing that this man, Ronald Hammond, who had turned his life around after selling cocaine, you know, it's, it's not, not something that we definitely advocate, selling drugs, things like that. Personally, you know, I don't think someone should be locked in jail, locked in a cage for selling drugs. I don't think that crack or weed or heroin should be prohibited by a government, by a coercive government. But that's not to say that it's a good thing that someone like Ronald Hammond was selling crack cocaine. As this story says, he had reformed his ways. He'd gotten a job and he'd, he'd turned a corner. And he was a former addict and he had replaced the much more harmful crack with uh, smoking weed. And that is how he ended up getting caught with the 5.9 grams. And that is why he's now serving this 20-year sentence. Unbelievable. And since that time, since his arrest in Baltimore, they've actually decriminalized marijuana up to 10 grams. So now what he's essentially spent 20 years in jail for 
right now, if he if you get caught with that ten grams of marijuana, you know, the maximum penalty is like a hundred dollar fine. Are there any groups out here advocating for him? Or I mean, obviously we're trying to draw attention to this case, but I mean, this seems like someone that just needs uh, you know a lot of the spotlight drawn on him. So you know, we we intend to do that as much as we can here. But you know, are there any other groups out there that are trying to, to draw some attention to this case? Yeah, Mark. Um... Mary Price, who is the uh, general counsel for the uh, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, um, you know, weighed in on this saying it's extraordinarily punitive sentence. So obvious fact there. But th- there are people out there and groups out there at least drawing some attention on this outside of the Lions of Liberty, which is good. At least we're not just screaming into the wall all alone. No, we're not. <laughs> screaming into the wall all alone. That's one of my favorite pastimes. How did you know? How did you know, Eddie? It's a little better screaming into a microphone all alone. I mean, at least because, you know, people are listening. Oh, hopefully, yeah. I, I scream into a microphone learn. twice a week here. But I, I do know there's at least a few other people at the other end of this thing. And we hope you people at the other end of this thing listening keep coming back here twice a week here to the Lines of Liberty podcast. Once a month at least for this felony report. And I know you're going to keep fighting the fight and, uh, you know, bringing attention to the plight of felons each and every week over at Felony Friday. So be sure to check that out. Once again, you can find the full archive at lionsofliberty.com slash felony friday until next time folks don't forget to live long and live free head of editing and mastering is john dalton